You're listening to audio from Citizens Church, located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. All right, good morning. Merry Christmas. Okay, thanks for a few of you. Thanks, great. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm glad that you are here today, as Brenda said, whether in person or online. My name is Corey Butler. I am the minister to students here at Citizens Church, which is fun and never complicated, ever. Um, I was supposed to be with you all in this capacity about five, six weeks ago, uh, and unfortunately contracted COVID-19. That wasn't fun. Uh, The Kids City Carpool Karaoke Incident, from that moment now, shall be forever referred to as COVID Karaoke. Um, from where I contracted it. It was a bad day, but it's a good day today, uh, but all is well. Um, we have just been here, if you've been here, uh, just finished a three-week stint in First Thessalonians chapter 5 in verse 14 uh, that says this, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. I want to continue with the last portion of that verse today which says, be patient, which we all know is one of the easier commands in the scriptures, okay? It seems that whether you're the idle or the discouraged, the faint-hearted or the weak or those that Paul directed those words at in 514 in his congregation, perhaps patience is lacking. Today we'll be in James chapter five talking all about Patience, if you want to go ahead and look there now. As Christians living in the here and now, we are a people who are waiting. We are waiting for Jesus. We are called to be those who wait well, learning to persevere in our current circumstance with patience. We're called to be those people. Uh, Family, let's be real at the start of our time together. 2020 has been rough. And although, like Michael said, I think there's much to be grateful for. There is much to slow down and consider all that God has done to sustain us in a year like the one that we have all gone through. It has been difficult. I don't think anybody is going to argue that point. I saw in social media this last week that 2020 was like going through Kevin McAllister's house on Home Alone for an entire year. Agreed. But praise God, 2020 is almost over. Can I get an amen? I was talking with the one and only Michael Bleeker about two weeks ago about our time together this morning. And in his spirit-filled wisdom and years of ministry and leadership, he said to me, whatever you do in your sermon, don't say anything like, I feel like 2021 is going to be an awesome year, please. I said, dude, I got you. I'm going to heed that wisdom. I'm going to listen to you. Uh, But in that, I did think it would be fun to ask my children what they were hoping for in the coming year. Now, this is before Christmas. And I asked my five-year-old daughter, Norley, who is an absolute delight and a charmer, uh, what her hopes for 2021 were, which I've never really asked a five-year-old before, so this was fun, uh, to which she naturally replied, go to Chuck E. Cheese and eat more mac and cheese. So cheese is in the forecast. That's what's coming. Um, Two years now since we've moved back to Plano uh, from York, England. My family and I were missionaries in York for three years. uh, And moving back to Plano from York, England was a a bit of a a journey. Life in England had a lot of perks uh, that I really enjoyed. Uh, One of those is the mild summers and average temperature between 70 and 75 degrees. Yeah, it was nice. 
um, a much slower pace of life that I really enjoyed. Uh, another favorite of mine was an early entrance by American standards into the Advent and Christmas season. Uh, because sadly, Halloween and Thanksgiving were pretty much non-existent in that place. Uh, lights and trees started going up on the wall, city walls of York in October. Started getting ready for Christmas and Advent in October. Okay, which is something I really enjoyed. Uh, but perhaps the worst part about that November, December season in the northern part of England was that the sun was going down daily around 3.30 in the afternoon. Dark. The gasp. You feel my pain. Okay. Um, going down. It was awful. So the lights of Christmas, even in October, were a welcome sight. It was something that was brought actually quite a bit of joy walking around the city. Now, I don't know about you, but back before Thanksgiving and even Halloween, I started to dream about Advent and Christmas this year. It was something I was starting to really look forward to. It was something I was hoping for. And in the liturgical calendar, this time of year is called the cycle of light. The coming of the light of the world makes a lot of sense in the middle of so much darkness. A few weeks back, I was listening to the Culture Matters podcast that's made right here at Citizens Church by several of our amazing humans uh, on the countercultural season of Advent. Adam Griffin uh, was speaking with Dr. J. Wright of St. Bart's Church in Dallas, very brilliantly, by the way. And in the interview, they made mention of the parts of 2020 that landed on just about every single human being. Okay? They were politics, prejudice, and pandemic. And when you add these three Ps to the way that life already is, right? to the way that life already is on a regular basis, our individual and collective pain, I think has become deeply palpable and existential across the board. This was stirring a deep longing in me and I'm sure in many of you for the season of Advent and Christmas, unlike I had really personally ever experienced. Uh, this season of Advent as discussed on that podcast at its historical roots is over a thousand years old. The first two weeks of Advent are meant to be more of a somber time of reflection, really, patiently looking forward to the second coming of Christ, seeing the brokenness of our lives and in that of the world around us. So it's a little bit darker, a little bit weightier. It's a time of understanding our need for Jesus, just like we discussed in our series as it is from Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3, the very first beatitude saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The second two weeks of Advent are more of a focus on the first arrival of Christ in the manger. Advent is meant to shine a light on the brokenness in the world around us and in us and lead us to the hope of Christmas, that Jesus came and will come again, like we're just celebrating. Advent reminds us that we're to be a patient people living between the realities of two stories. We're living between these two places like we've talked about recently. And like many of you, one of my favorite parts of this time of year that we're, that we're kind of wrapping up right now is, of course, the music of Christmas. And much of these songs follow this theme in the roots of the historical Advent. There's a, a feeling of darkness lyrically and even musically at the beginning of these songs only to finish with light and life. And one of my favorites, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, begins like this. It says, O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Reading it doesn't do it justice as much as singing it. 
but you get the point. You get the feeling in this season, this cycle of light, how Jesus' arrival sheds light on the darkness. But now we sit in the light and truth of Christmas. Uh, Christmas is not the last day of Advent, but the beginning of a new season. Today, we're actually on the third day of the 12 days of Christmas. Um, the 12 days of Christmas was, is a song that we sing, but it's not just a, a fun little Christmas carol. It's actually something that was used to teach children about Christmas and the 12 days in this liturgical calendar. Uh, again, in speaking with my sweet daughter, Norley, I told her yesterday uh, when she said, well, Christmas is over. And I said, well, actually, sweetheart, um, it's actually the second day of Christmas. And she goes, wait, what? So more presents? And I said, no, just, just one day, sweetheart. I'm so sorry. Um, my favorite of the Christmas songs as we get close to Christmas and move past it is still A Holy Night. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. This has been the longing of my heart as my patience has grown thin this year. It's even written on my letterboard in my house above our fireplace that I can remember the thrill of hope that Jesus brings. I have to remind myself over and over and over again to fix my eyes on the truth of Jesus coming to earth. Emmanuel does bring a hope that sheds light on the darkened soul, enabling me, enabling us to wait patiently for the Lord. Now, although the light of Christmas is here and we're in the third day of Christmas, I do have some concerns that land in my heart for us specifically in this season. First is this. I've felt that the prolonged nature of the last year has caused um, a deep spiritual sleep on some of us, that our waiting has turned our hearts to be idle and incredibly discouraged and faint-hearted like we talked about over the last three weeks. And speaking about Advent and Christmas and this sleepiness of our soul, John Piper said this. He said, I'm prone to be dull, spiritually drowsy, half-hearted, lukewarm. That's the way human beings are, including Christians, even about great things. Friends, are you asleep? Second, at Christmas this year, or really any other year, is that we would merely be distracted from the pain and strife in us and around us. And although I believe drowning in social media is our new escapism, the very American tradition of materialism at this time of year is never far away. Or as we spoke of last week, many of us will replace God in this season for a false narrative of individualism or nationalism just to get by or find some sense of control. Friends, are you distracted? Third, the nature of this last year or years for some of us would steal us away from, from seeing, from praising, from celebrating the God who came and who is with us now. We become forgetful, that we would forget and fix our eyes on circumstance instead of Savior. Friends, have you forgotten? Because of these things, patience is often in short supply. Instead, what, what if we fell headlong into the miracle of Christmas, what happened at Christmas throughout the year? The Lord himself came in flesh and dealt with the mess in our lives and in the world. And to know that one day there will be no more mess. There'll be no more mess. This is good. Jesus will make sad things come untrue and that's where we are and that's what we need. I hope this will stir a deep longing in us, something robust and deep in us. 
And my, my hope then for today, in light of 2020 and all that it brings, is to stir us up. Uh, Peter uses this language in one, uh, 2 Peter 1 and 3. He says, I want to stir you up by way of reminder, but which Peter wants to wake from sleep. There's a now and not yet nature to our lives as Christ followers. And in a year filled with the terrible peas and so much more, you guys, what, we can, what can we do right now to be stirred up? I believe that the answer is in this, is that the people of God can patiently persevere. The people of God can patiently persevere as we set our hope firmly upon Jesus. I'm gonna say it again. The people of God can patiently persevere as we set our hope firmly on the person and work of Jesus. If you would take your Bible, we'll go to James chapter five and we'll read uh, what James had to say. James chapter five, starting in verse seven, what James, the half-brother of Jesus, had to say about this. Starting in verse seven. He says, be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord was compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or earth or any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. This is the reading of God's word. So I think two things happen in this passage. Uh, The first one is this, that James shows us what it looks like when patience is present. Okay, when patience is present in our lives, this is in verses seven and eight, and then again in 10 and 11. And then the second thing I think that happens is James shows us what it looks like when patience is absent in verses nine and 12. First, when patience is present, starting back in verse seven, I'll reread it. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the early and late rains until it receives the early and late rains. So he's giving us the first example that we have of three examples, okay, of a farmer of the prophets and Job. First, this patience is clearly displayed in the farmer. Uh, I grew up um, the first several years of my life, I grew up in a farming community north in the panhandle of Texas called Spearman. Now I was a city kid, but my closest friend Tony uh, was a farmer's son. And I would spend a lot of weekends on Tony's farm, hanging out with him and his family doing the things that they did. And I remembered watching Tony's dad and grandfather manage and run the farm. I remember watching this and I remember thinking that I couldn't do this. They would leave hours before the sun would come up and return sometimes hours after the sun had gone down. Okay, I remember thinking all these things that this is hard, tedious, slow, patient work filled with waiting and hoping. That's what it looked like to be a farmer. And in my limited kid from the city understanding, here's what I saw. Here's what I would see them do. If you have extensive history in this, no judgment. Okay, prep the land, plant the crop, fertilize the crop, water the crop, wait, pray for rain, pray for some more, tend some more, pray some more, water some more, hopefully harvest. This is actually a wonderful picture of biblical patience, active with an understanding of who's ultimately in control. The farmer knows his work requires a long obedience in the same direction. 
But the farmer also knows that the harvest is worth the wait. Back to the verses. Let's take a look at the second example that we're given in verse 10. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Verse 11 says, behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. The second picture of patience is displayed in the prophets. James tells the the congregation there to consider these prophets. The prophets were a mouthpiece for God. Their message from him to the people covered everything from economic injustice uh, and rituals without righteousness to the eternal hope of ultimate salvation of man. And because of their obedience to God often carried inherent risk to what they had to do, they were well acquainted with suffering. Yet, they continue to be obedient to God and seek his glory as long as it would take. James wanted his people to know if the prophets endured long suffering, it may be expected that other good men and women will have to follow suit. Patience is displayed in the prophets. He does take a bit of a shot across the bow as he continues to, to go in that middle section. He says, we call them blessed who remain steadfast, i.e. the prophets saying, we celebrate those who have patiently persevered. We can look to those who have endured long suffering and point to them and celebrate them and how they patiently endured suffering and hardship. But he asks, are you willing to follow suit to be like them? We can look and see people across from us who have patiently endured. We're aware of the people here in Citizens Church who have endured long suffering and suffered well over the years and we celebrate them. But James starts to personalize it saying, are we willing to patiently wait on the Lord ourselves? The third example that James gives then is in Job. He remains the prime biblical example for patience amidst trials. Now, sadly, at times saying consider Job sounds a bit trite or cliche. But in the life of Job, we see that God's providence rings true over and over and over again. We see in Job's life that God's purposes will never be thwarted. And we see in Job's life that the character of God towards his sons and daughters to constantly, steadily, always be one of compassion and mercy, always. In light of these examples, Pastor Tony Evans of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship said this. He said that James is exhorting them to be patient until the Lord comes to intervene in their historical circumstances. Is that not the most 2020 thing you've heard? waiting on God to intervene in historical circumstances. Friends, this is where we are, waiting on the Lord to intervene in our time. God, intervene in our circumstances, whether it's known and seen by the world around us or not, Lord, we wait for you. Friends, be like the farmer, be like the prophets, be like Job. Let's go back to verse eight. Verse eight says, you also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. James gets very personal and directs it towards them, towards us today. He says, you also show a divinely directed patience, a long suffering held up by God, enabled by the Holy Spirit. He says, how we do this is to establish our hearts, to strengthen our hearts. Uh, The word established in the Greek is a really beautiful uh, play on words. It means to plant down deep, to plant down and make secure, which eliminates any vacillation, any wavering back and forth when things become difficult. In other words, to strengthen your hearts is to be stayed upon, to be fixed upon the Lord so that when resolution doesn't come quickly, 
or in our preferred manner, we might patiently endure nonetheless. Establish your hearts. Friends, we can do this by seeking every way we can to strengthen our hearts, strengthen our trust in God and our relationship with him. As Jamin shared a few weeks ago from D.A. Carson, where he said, we cannot simply drift towards holiness. We cannot simply drift towards an established, strengthened heart in the Lord. But we can by abiding deeply with Jesus daily, by feasting on God's word. We can live in ceaseless prayer and through the gathering of the saints and community, by singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, by praise and thanksgiving, through submitting to the preaching of God's word, through serving one another, through mourning and celebration, through confession and repentance. Friends, strengthen your heart. In all of this remembering, we have a God who is always at hand. We have a God who is always working, always near, always aware, and always, always good. And all of it remembering that we have the grace of our Lord that overflows in faith and love in Jesus from 1 Timothy chapter 1. Remembering that he came to save us at just the right time to rescue us and call us his sons and daughters as we see in Galatians chapter 4. Remembering that he gives a joy that can never be taken as Jesus says in John 16, 33. Friends, remember and strengthen your hearts. But what about when patience is absent? Although I think we're commonly aware of what it looks like when patience is absent. We can usually look very quickly and see when patience is absent. We don't usually need to be told what that's like. But in case you've forgotten, go sit on 75 or the tollway between four and seven. So what does it look like when patience is absent according to God's word? Let's go back and look again at verses nine and 12. Verse nine says this, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. When patience is absent, grumbling is present. Some translations read complaining or arguing. Specifically here, James is talking about amongst God's people, amongst the family of God. Three times in the passage, he uses familial language of brothers and sisters. There shouldn't be any grumbling among you. When there's no patience for the Lord, it's commonly revealed in relational strife between us here first. This is the place that it happens. This of course begins in our hearts and gets worked out on the the nearest undeserving soul. It just kind of flies out. James provides words of exhortation and warning here. He says that you won't be judged because the judge is at the door. It's very ominous language. Uh, I have a lovely three-year-old boy at my house right now. And he is fully three. As a matter of fact, I would almost call him a three-nager. And he is in this spot where he is combative with just about everything. And if you have a three-year-old, you know. If you've been in Kid City to help with the three-year-olds, you know. Okay, what this is like when there's, a, there's, there's grumbling and complaining at every single turn. You know what this looks like. You've seen this, you've seen it happen. But the warning and the exhortation here is just like I feel at home with my son. When I hear it happening with my wife, I simply lean over through the door to make my presence known, to make eye contact with my three-year-old who immediately changes his tone Usually one of quiet and backpedaling. The judge is at the door. 
And I hear Meredith going for it and all it takes me to do is to look around the corner to remind my son that I'm near and I'm at hand and I will be working very soon. The last place God's people should be found is attacking one another in the middle of strife. That's the last place we should be found. James is reminding them to wait well on the Lord. And closing off the passage, verse 12 says this, but above all my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. Okay, James is providing this second picture of a life where patience is absent. He borrows the words of his brother Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5, 37, saying that your yes be yes and your no be no. Uh, these these yes be yes and no be no are, are making impatient statements filled with anxiety and fear. These are, these are maxims filled with absolutes and extremes. Impatient statements that lead us to impatient thoughts and behavior. In light of that, James's fear for these people is the impact their impatience would have on the world around them. That God's people should be one of light and hope, but impatience steals their light and hope. We're all incredibly guilty of this, making impulsive, rash statements filled with pride and frustration. All three of my children find their way into statements like these filled with absolutes, like I'll never eat again, or I'll just throw it all away. But we grown humans, we do this too, don't we? Especially in a cancel culture, impatience is incredibly visible in our words. I'm done with him. I'll never help them again. Our language in these moments where patience is absent reveals a lack of trust in the Lord and a forgetfulness of his character. Language is culture. The way we talk affects the way we live, which affects the way that we wait. Friends, remember, the people of God can patiently persevere as we set our hope firmly on Jesus. We can possess and display a tenacious patience in this season and the next as we fix our eyes on Jesus, as we establish and strengthen our hearts on him. Because in all that we have endured, whether this year or previous years and all that we will endure, as Jesus said in John 16, we have a God who is always at hand, who's always working, always near, always aware and always good. Before moving away from our time together this morning, I just want to pose a few questions for us to think about, for you to dwell on, for you to work through with the people in your world, maybe in your home group. Ask yourself some of these questions. First, where have I been impatient? Where have I been impatient in this previous year? And perhaps more pointedly, with whom have I been impatient? With whom have I been impatient? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14 says to be patient with the idle, be patient with the faint-hearted, be patient with the weak. Are you helping them establish their heart in the Lord or have you lost patience for them? Friends, if patience is absent, the opportunity to seek forgiveness and offer grace is near. With whom have you been impatient? Second, what does your version of patience look like? What does your version of patience look like? Is it grumbling? Is it complaining? Is it arguing? Is it rash absolutes? Or are you waiting on the Lord to intervene in your circumstance by establishing your heart on him and him alone? What does your version of patience look like? Whose example, thirdly, whose example of patience can you imitate in the coming year? Whose example of patience can you imitate in the coming year? Is it the farmer 
The farmer who understands the long obedience in the same direction, who understands the difficulty of the work in from him, but like the farmer who understands that the harvest will come if you do not give up. It will come. In one way, shape, or form, it will come. Is it like the farmer? Is it the prophet who will continue to be obedient to the Lord no matter what it costs or how long we have to wait? Is it the prophet? Or is it Job in light of all that is lost? And I understand that may be much for you. I know that there are many. We were talking before we started tonight, this morning. There are a lot of people that sat down to a very difficult Christmas season. In light of all of that, whose patience can you look to? Is it Job's? When the understanding of God's true character and his purposes and his promises that will never be thwarted. Who can you get next to this year that you might patiently endure? Church, I'm gonna finish by saying this. Um, I love you dearly. There are so many of you that have helped me persevere this year. This year was hard. This year was incredibly difficult. So thank you. Thank you for loving me so well. Thank you for loving each other so well. This is a beautiful place because we will patiently persevere together. We will patiently endure what happens this next year together. We will patiently pursue God together in the days ahead. Friends, be reminded, be stirred up, be tenaciously patient. The Lord our God is good. He is working and he is always at hand. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to pray the words of Titus 2 this morning. I thank you, God, that your grace appeared in Jesus, bringing salvation for all people. Thank you. Lord God, you have trained us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, patient, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Help us do so. God, we are waiting for you, our true blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ is our hope. I thank you, God, that he gave himself to, for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, God, who are zealous for good works. God, we are zealous for good works this next year. God, help us to remain patient. Help us to patiently endure God. In light of all that has happened, Lord, we have our confidence set upon you. And so God, this morning, we've strengthened our hearts by remembering your character and remembering your goodness. And God, we will sing now to celebrate what you did at Christmas to come and right the wrongs, to come and sort out the mess in us and around us. God, because of that, we can endure. We can walk in patience knowing that you came and knowing that you will come again. We trust you. Our hope is set upon you and nothing else. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.